Margot Hodson, welcome to the Resound Worship Songwriting Podcast. Thank you. Um, now, before we kind of jump into the meat of things, just love to hear a little bit about you, just who you are, where you are, what you do with your time. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I'm, I'm Margot. I work as the Director of Theology and Education at the John Ray Initiative, which is a Christian environmental charity that I suppose you could say seeks to equip the church to meet the environmental crisis. Um, we're very much this sort of education dudes in this whole thing. And so we work with Christians and churches and ministers in training, and we run courses, we run conferences, we write a lot. So it's those sorts of things that we do. And then when I'm not doing that, I'm a part-time vicar in the Cotswolds where we live in a, a very rural vicarage. And I'm married to Martin, who's an environmental biologist, and he he's still doing scientific work, but he also works with JRI doing the same sort of things as me, except he does the more sciencey bits. So who is was John Ray? I've often I've wondered that. <laughs> or is it John Ray, or is it is it an amalgamation of something? No, John Ray. Well, the John Ray Initiative was founded by Sir John Horton, who is a big climate change scientist, um, and um, professors like Sam Berry. It was it was a whole pile of, of of quite senior university professors who were also Christians, and they chose John Ray for the name because John Ray was a 17th century botanist and theologian who um, he predated Linnaeus in, in, in working out um, a taxonomy of, of plants and animals. And he had this idea of God's book of works and God's book of words, of actually seeing God through the eyes of, of faith in the natural world, as well as seeing him through the scriptures. And they thought he'd be quite a good, good person to name it after. But I must admit, every time people say, who's John Ray? Yeah, you want to know, <laughs> don't you? Well, listen, I'm uh, delighted to have an opportunity to talk to you. Um, we met briefly last month um, at uh, a retreat with the Junior Network. And since then, I've been thinking it'd be wonderful to get you on as an interview for two reasons. One is that it's going to be quite relevant to the challenge that we set for our songwriters in December. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But also because um, as Resound Worship, we we've sort of, slightly deliberately and slightly unwittingly found ourselves somewhere near the centre of conversations about Christianity and climate and, and other things because of the, the, the songs we've been writing and the, and the things we're involved in. Um, and at the same time, um, we find it really helpful to hear from people who are more expert about these things like yourself um, than us. So I thought it'd be really wonderful because a lot of our output and the, and the things we're talking about at the moment are around toxicology, ecology, COP26 and so on. To just to hear a bit from from you around some of those things, I think would be really helpful to our listeners, and then we can dig into the the themes of the challenge that we're going to do. So maybe begin just a bit of your story. Where does the journey into environmental concern begin for you? Yeah, well, I I think it it does begin with the Bible and combining the Bible with the natural world. Um, and when we look at what's been going on in the world, we see, see things so much out of kilter. I mean, you know, golden October is rapidly becoming golden November. Um, we've had floods and fires and droughts and all sorts of things going on. And then when we look at the Bible, we find that it speaks all about this. Um, it says that when our relationships with God, with other people and with the natural world go wrong, then this is what we've got to expect as a result. And when we're unjust in our actions towards people and the natural world, then this is what we expect to happen. But 
if we put those relationships right, if we start by to live um, in, in a proper relationship with God and a proper relationship with other people and the natural world, we bring justice into those relationships, then we can see things will get back into balance again. And ultimately, obviously, that will be the end of time. But but we will see ourselves working towards that. So I think seeing that is what really inspires me to to take this journey. And you presumably at a certain point in your life felt like a lone voice or one of a few lone voices trying to be heard without anybody else listening. Not everybody was agreeing that, that that's what the Bible said or I just hadn't bothered to look or, or, or something like that. What, what was it like growing in in your conviction, but also ha- presumably having a certain tension alongside it? Yeah, I mean, I, I grew up really concerned about nature. I went to university to study geography, to be a, a, a conservationist. Um, and, I, and it was there I became more committed as a Christian and had a call to ministry. And they were just like two separate worlds. They really were. And it really wasn't till I met Martin, my husband, that um, he was involved in this little Christian environmental group in Oxford called Sage. And it just looked so interesting. And, and um, you know, as we got to know each other, um, it, it just seemed such a it was such a lovely group to be a part of. And um, this was back in the 90s. Mm. And it was I mean, people used to sort of pat us on the head and say, oh, very nice. But let's get back to the serious things mm. of, that the Christians should be concerned about. And it was really difficult to 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 actually explain that. And and I think it was back in 2002, we went to a a John Ray conference that was held by Sir John and they called in top scientists, top theologians and some top negotiators. And it was there, I think, that we were galvanized because we we already knew how serious the situation was, but we could see how serious the climate situation Mm. was. And um, but at that time in the church, people weren't taking it seriously at all. And it's been gradually over the last um, 19, 20 years that we've seen that change. And we've um, uh, yeah, gradually just put more and more of our lives into it, I guess. Mm. And I suppose I think of myself as one of those people who has gradually changed. They're definitely not one of those who is um, there pioneering. But my sense is that in the last even 18 months, couple, two or three years, it's almost as if the church has really begun waking up to this um which i'm sure must feel very gratifying for you to think at last people are listening and it's becoming more and more normal that actually as a church of course we're concerned Mm. about this What, what do you sort of put that that change down to have you seen particular developments or is it just is it just the saturation in the media and and so on i wonder what it is yeah we've we've seen that change too and and two years ago i gave up being a full-time vicar to go part-time to do what i'm doing and and we've just been you know run off our feet because there's been so much happening i think it's partly people have been gone have realized generally the sheer size of the environmental crisis you know christians and and others and and that's impacted on christians I think it's partly it has been people like Martin and me uh, uh, and others trogging up and down the country, you know, sort of saying like like kind of prophets in the wilderness, you know, this is something you should be concerned about, that finally it's got through. And then with that, programmes like Eco Church have been very helpful in, in helping people get involved. But I think overall, I think it is actually a move of the Holy Spirit. I think that mm. God is waking up his people to take his creation seriously. He's challenging us. And I think that's 
what has been happening. So, so I think it's kind of been coming at all levels and, and what has been happening in the secular world with people realising the sheer size of this uh, crisis God has been using to wake us up. Obviously, we've made some progress, but would would need to make more progress. Do you have a kind of sense of where, where does the church need to get to? What do we still need to, to learn or become active in or wake up to? I think it's, uh, I'm very clear, it's, it's actually a core part of our faith and our mission. It, it should impact on every area of our life. So it's just such an inspiration to see your worship because... Um, uh, there was a time when there were very few worship songs that took, it was more like kind of airlifting us off this world to something higher, whereas actually to understand God's creator of this earth. And that's really exciting. Um, but I, th- I think it is, um, is, is seeing that it's mission in seeing that actually the communities around us, uh, we've seen the stress of the pandemic, but the stress of climate change and some of the environmental things that are coming in are going to be as big or bigger. And actually, we need to be available to our communities. And so it's that, that mission perspective that's going to be very, very important. So we're equipped to be there, to understand what's going on, and to be alongside our communities as these waves of crisis come in. That, that's really interesting. I, I love the way you relate it to mission because the, the I feel like the easiest way in is justice, probably, and the sense of social justice and the impact mm. on on communities and so on. Um, for us, part of our way in was worship and saying actually it, it should be in at the heart of our worship. It is a worship issue, and you're saying it is a mission mm. issue because mm. it's about how we relate to how we reach out to yeah. those around us. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, so I feel that I, I hear yeah. that, and I feel it very very powerfully. Um, now this. Um, podcast we'll put out we're recording a few days early but we'll put out on the 1st of November so the the COP conference in Glasgow has begun um, and I, I'd just love to maybe you could you just help us to, to understand just a tiny little bit more about what it is um, and then perhaps what some of your hopes and and or expectations might be they may not be the same thing I guess but for for that conference yeah, the, the COP is the Conference of the Parties. It's the 26th. They happen every year, but every few years there's a bigger one. And these COPs are the ones for climate change. There was actually a COP in October, which was for biodiversity. But this, these are the climate change ones, and it's the 26th climate change one. And they are about international agreements to respond to what's going on. And um, the world leaders are all invited. Not all have come, sadly. Um, but the idea is that they'll get together and make agreements. A lot of the work is done outside of the, the COP. The last big one was Paris, and a lady called Christiana Figueres went around um, all of the leaders beforehand and got some really good agreements, and that was a very positive COP. One before that, Copenhagen, was not so positive. Um, so for this COP, I can, I can tell you what my hope is and what my expectation is. Um, yeah. My hope is that all world leaders will have a kind of Damascus Road experience and that they'll see how serious um, all of this situation is and how majorly we need to act and that they'll make some huge agreements so we'll be able to meet the challenges that we're faced so that everybody in the world will be able to live sustainably, that no child will go to bed hungry but and nature is protected as well. So that's kind of my hope. Yeah. But my expectation is that we're going to fall far short of that. And I think the question is, 
actually how far short of our hopes are we going to fall? Okay. Um, which is um, realistic, if not particularly <laughs> as positive as we'd like. Because if we fall very far short, it will mean disaster by the middle of this century. Um, if it's a bit less than that, it would simply mean that life is going to be a very, very much tougher by the middle of the century and indeed by the 2030s. And so the agreements that are being made now are going to set, it's like the tiller going to set the course of the ship and it's how far out of course it's going to be. And then with later COPs, there'll be another big one in a few years time, um, how, how much it might bring it further back into um, a more sensible course. And, uh, and that is what we, 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 we all hope that this one will do the major work it needs to do. But I think our expectation is that it might not very sadly. Um, so I suppose mm. that's where we are on it. We sort of increasingly hear that in some ways the ship has already sailed in that we just can't quite get it all back. Mm. And it's a question of just, doing everything we can to limit the the rise in temperature and and is that, is that right yeah i mean sir john horton was working on this uh, in oxford in the 1960s and 70s as a professor of atmospheric physics and they went to governments in the 80s to say this was a real problem mrs thatcher got it actually um yeah. and it looked like there would be some agreements made they'd seen you know the ozone acid rain both of which have had good agreements um but of course, the oil industry was very threatened by this. And so it, it became an enormous tussle between business interests and what needed to be done. And each, each time, you know, these 26 COPs that we've had, um, they've not made the agreements that they should to. And so that has meant that we are now destined for at an absolute minimum 1.5 degrees temperature rise, right. which will mean what we've got we're seeing at the moment a lot stormier weather um a lot more floods and droughts um uh, a lot more fires um a lot more suffering and poverty uh, a lot of animal species i mean something like 60 percent of um our biomass of animals has been lost in the last 50 years 60 percent wow. Of, of animal mass, if you like, has been lost, wild animals. And only 3% of wild animals, uh, of animals are wild. Um, or only 3% of, of, it's only 3% of vertebrate flesh, of biomass yeah. is wild. And the other 97% are humans and our domestic animals. Wow. And so we've pushed God's wonderful creation absolutely to the fringes. And it will be, we won't get all of that back. Um, and um, we we are destined for a stormier, more difficult world um, as as a result of what we've done. Um, but we can limit that to livable levels, or we can yeah. just carry on, and it will get to unlivable levels for a very very large number of people in the world, mm. and a very level high level of extinction. And I feel very aware. My son is six. Yeah. And, and and anybody who has young yeah. children or grandchildren, yeah. um, it's just it's not something you want to hand to them and say, well, sorry, yeah. um, too bad. It's your it's your problem. Yeah. None of us feel like that about them, do we? And, yeah. and I guess. Yeah. And I, I think yeah. that's um, and it's very interesting that Sir John dedicated his 
books to his grandchildren. Um, because it is when you have children um, and you have grandchildren, you see, you worry about what they're going to face and it is going to be a tough world. Um, There's a beautiful lyric in one of the, sorry, not to, yeah. to shout the toxicology uh, trumpet, but um, one of Chris Juby's lyrics, if our children starve, will they cry to God? Will they curse us for closing our yeah. ears? It's yeah. yeah, such a deeply I remember lyric. hearing um, that one. Um, and you see it with the young people who are, you know, doing Fridays for Future, the strikes, mm. um, uh, young Christian climate network who are doing their pilgrimage uh, yeah. uh, up to um, Glasgow. And you see it's their world. They're looking at it and saying, what is it going to be like? Um, mm. And uh, yeah, we have a huge responsibility for, for them. And then you see people in the more low-income countries who are already struggling so hard. Mm. And we, you just feel they have contributed least to this, and yet they are suffering most. And uh, we have a huge responsibility to do something. We're going to move on to think um, a bit a bit Bible and theology, um, but in quite a specific area. Because when, uh, when we met last month, I, I remember listening to you do a talk and... Um, as you were speaking, we'd we'd sort of said maybe at the end of it I'll I'll do a song, and so I was listening, yeah. thinking, oh yeah, that would fit a good, that would fit this song. Then I heard another bit, and I think, oh, we've got a song about that, and it's, <laughs> it's, you know, it feels nice. You're thinking, oh, we've got loads of stuff, and then you said one thing, and I thought, oh no, we missed that completely. We should have had a song about it, uh -huh. which is when you started to talk about the way that the incarnation relates yeah. to, um to all uh, the whole kind of environmental concern and and the, and that actually christmas is a wonderful opportunity to preach environmental sermons and and not not to shoehorn it in but in that it, it's a natural consequence of understanding the incarnation would be therefore to think about creation in a certain way wouldn't it um so i got to thinking well a i, I really feel like i need to now try and write that song because i feel like we missed mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. Um, but actually, all of our songwriters that we work with and, and the group on the 12th Song Challenge, I'd like to set um, that challenge. Now, what we're actually going to say to them is try and take a fresh angle. And here's a fresh angle. Mm. The environmental one could mm. be one. But also it relates to Advent. I mean, Advent is rich with mm. themes and I can see them really obviously. So I, I thought what we'd do is spend a few minutes perhaps starting with mm. Advent and then Christmas. Mm. Maybe you could just take us through certain ways in which we can relate um, first with Advent. And then, and then, well, you know what I'm asking. Yeah. Let's let, let's yeah. go. Let's start with that. <laughs> yeah. Well, obviously, the 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 green themes of Advent they they're huge. I mean, it's it's the, the second coming and the the coming of the messianic age when heaven and earth are going to be renewed. The the word in um in Revelation is is kainos, which means a kind of renewal of creation. It doesn't mean a kind of brand new one. That's but because uh, we're made new as well. We're made we've made kainos, and so that theme of the second coming of the world restored um of of everything coming into harmony of wolves lying with lambs all of that wonderful stuff that you see but also a theme of advent is being held to account um and perhaps the last few decades are in christian faith we've not been very good about the theme of judgment i think we've we've shied away from it but there is a need to be held to account and i think perhaps that can be put in a fresh way um, and in a way that fits 2021 perhaps um, more easily than, than 
we we would have felt with some of the messages of of judgment that we we, we struggled with in the past. But mm. we, that that accountability, I think, is is one. And then the question of how do we live now in the light of that world to come? How do we live now in expectation um, of Jesus coming, um, of him coming, returning to his world to renew it, to, to hold us to account and to bring things into harmony? So I think that is, is something that um, we, we can do. And as, as I said before, quite there's a strand in Christianity that is is very um, much sort of almost like airlifting us off this planet. You know, how can we get to this higher realm of spiritual um, enlightenment? Whereas actually Advent can re-earth our faith into the creation that he has made and is renewing. And in doing that, we then discover Emmanuel, God with us. Um, and... Um, and that theme, I think, you know, resonates strongly through it. Um, and uh, and I think even that Advent hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, you could you could almost rework that um, mm. for an Advent uh, and and a green Advent um, uh, song. I think very 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 effectively. Are there any particular places in the Bible you might go to look for? That those kinds of things you know, sort of pick up those. Yeah, I mean, I think scriptures. I think you could do a really good song based on the second part of Romans eight. I don't know if you've looked at that. Um, Eighteen onwards, creation groaning, waiting for the glory to be revealed. Um, I think there could be a really good song in that in that passage, um, waiting for the sons of God, sons and daughters of God, to be revealed. I think you could look at Revelation. You could look at. 21 and 22, that wonderful passage of the river of life and the leaves of the tree for the healing of the nations. There would be mm. rich themes there for the music. Um, and, uh, and there's some passages in Isaiah you could look at. Um, Isaiah is full of nature. It's got about 150 species of, of, of animals just in there. You know, Isaiah oh, really? and his followers were nature lovers, lovers very definitely, and they knew, they understood a lot about nature. So you find a lot in there if you look, which is a very much a, an Advent book, of course. So um, those yeah. would be places you could you could look for these themes. And then um, Christmas, um, this thing, incarnation, first coming. Um, what can we think about there? Yeah, well, I think you've got to write a song on John one. That was that was the passage I was talking about, wasn't it? And and you've just mm. got to write a song on John one because it's 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 so. Uh, I mean, it's such a wonderful passage. And there's so much in there. I think really when you look at Christmas, you understand that the Christian faith is, is such an earthy faith. Um, and this is such an earthy festival that Jesus, the one through whom all things came into being, became flesh, became part of this material world. Um, and if you like the word flesh socks, you could call that biomass, if you like. You know, Jesus became yeah. biomass. <laughs> Jesus became physical. It's a, it's quite a. It's more of our affinity with animals that word than of our our of becoming human. You know, it is becoming. He became physical. He became part of this world. He became um, a, a creature. And that is an incredible thing. It affirms the goodness of this world. If this world was totally evil. Um, 
he couldn't have done that. It's because it's created by God. It's loved by him. He said it was good, even if it's marred by sin. And he came to affirm the goodness of this world, to affirm that he is creator. And he loves this world so much that he came. Um, and so, and he came to save it. He came to renew it. He came to save us. And he came to reconcile it. The, um, in another passage would be the one in um, Colossians 1, where, where Christ reconciles um, the whole creation and holds it together. He came for that. Um, and then you've got the earthiness of um, Christmas being shown by Mary giving birth in a stable. Um, and by that very physical act of giving birth, by shepherds coming to visit and by angels coming to earth to praise its creator. Um, it's, it's kind of, you know, shouting out that God loves this earth when you, when you look at all of that. I love that, that point about the angels, because as you were speaking about the earthiness and I was thinking it's, it's very tempting to make Christmas very ethereal mm. um, because of the angels mm. in the sky. But there's a really interesting perspective which says from from the angel's perspective the journey is from heaven to mm -hmm. earth and maybe we lift our eyes and see them but actually the whole the whole focus mm -hmm. of heaven yeah is on the earth on at earth. that point yeah. and yeah. yet sometimes we're tempted to focus on heaven when when, when, when actually that's the... yeah it is heaven and heaven in the bible is not a place it is um where god is so mm. heaven is almost more a person it's more focused on god and so we tend to feel heaven is up there, but heaven is actually here when God is with us. Um, and it's that that and when the angels came down, they it was that it was giving a glimpse of heaven coming to earth, um, which is is what we've we've got, you know, what we're looking forward to, what we're expecting. Hmm. And and Jesus comes, you know, Jesus made flesh makes his dwelling amongst us is not a makes his dwelling amongst us so that he can grab us and no, run off no, it's no. to show it, it's a it, it's a foretelling of the whole destiny yeah, of everything isn't it is it? it is it is it is and um and i think that um yeah and uh, i mean the, the the classic passage god so loved the world is is the word cosmos um which which is the universe god so loved the universe that he he came um uh so it and so you know whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life so that that this work we could we can be redeemed and this world will be redeemed i mean that's what we see you know quite when you look at something like romans 8 you see quite clearly that creation is groaning waiting to be released um and so the the, the redemption is coming to the whole world in a way we can possibly um, I mean, certainly it's, I didn't understand as a young person. It's, it's such an mm. exciting concept when you think of it. Mm. Margot, thank you. That, that's a really helpful collection of ideas and um, pointers. And I really hope some of our writers mm. will take, I'm definitely going to do my best um, to take <laughs> some of that on and see what I get to. I love that thing about sarks, the, the Greek word for flesh, um, that you could, you could translate it as biomass. It yeah. makes absolute yeah. sense. I, yeah. I see exactly yeah. what you mean. I know it's, it's kind of, yeah. I mean, meat it does give sense off the wrong direction because meat is dead animal, it's live animal. 
Um, yeah. But it's not much, much more flesh as in meat than um, flesh as in human. I mean, it, it is, it is, it is animal. Uh, it's an animal world. So I think biomass works quite nicely as it. Um, yeah. yeah, I think it's really yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. Great stuff. Well, Margot, thank you very much for um, spending some time talking no, to us. It's a pleasure. It's a real pleasure. And uh, I look forward to hearing the songs. Ha, ha, ha.